Hi, I'm Carl Payton, pastor of Transformation Church RVA. I wanted to take a moment and thank you for checking out this sermon. I also wanted to bring to your attention something that is close to our hearts here. While our team has prayed that this message would stir within you a desire to know more about Jesus and be more like Him, our desire is that it would only be supplemental to your faith journey and not replace the church and faith community God has called you to be a part of locally. With that said, engage with us over the next 30 to 40 minutes as we dig into the Word of God proclaimed. Today, I'm starting where I think we should start every year, every day, every week, and the most important thing probably in the life of a Christian. So if you're not a Christian today, no guilt trip for you, okay? This is, so, so for the Christian, pay attention, you should be doing this. For, for the non-Christian that's here today, um, this is what Christians should be doing. So if you're considering Christ, understand that this is a part of it, um, and that is prayer. Everybody say prayer. I... I I guess I'll, I'll start by saying I don't want to be that person, that family member that um, <laughs> makes you feel guilty. You know, you, you know that family member I'm talking about, that, that person that always shows up at every event and somehow throws all this guilt on you for things you haven't done lately? Well, well I have those family members. And... Um, I don't want to be that today because nine times out of ten, you already feel guilty about you don't pray enough. And I'll tell you, none of us pray enough, especially in 2020. Um, and so I don't, I don't want to be that person. But at the same time, I think I need to lean in a little bit um, because prayer and communicating with God is paramount in importance. Uh, and, and let me just say that when I say prayer, I'm not just talking words. I'm talking about communication. And believe it or not, in prayer and in, in your prayer life, there can be a two-way conversation. Now, some of you are like, what do you mean, Carl? You hear voices? No, not audible ones, but he speaks to my heart, and I feel it. I feel his responses, and I feel it in all kinds of ways. I'll go to pray, and then I'll go to reading scripture, because scripture's a part of my prayer time, and, and all of a sudden, things will just leap off of the page and, and speak to me. Communication's important. You can't have a good marriage without it. You can't have a good friendship without it. Prayer's important. Now, at the very root, okay, you can follow along on your, on your sheet and your bulletin. Prayer is at root paying attention to God. Prayer at its very foundation is paying attention to God. Because you can say long prayers and pay little attention to God. That one set heavy on my soul as I prepared this week. 
how long-winded we can become in our prayer lives and get nothing accomplished. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees on many occasions for being so long-winded and not actually knowing what was going on. So listen, you, it is possible, it is possible for you to pray for a half hour and not be any closer to the Lord. Because prayer has to be more than words. Prayer has to be more than just a section of time that you spend. Prayer has to involve you paying attention to God. Paying attention through his word. Paying attention and communicating with him. And so I want to read here in Ephesians. It's actually in chapter 3, not chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to start in 14. Chapter 3 and verse 14. And we'll read this and then I want to cover a couple things. Verse 14 says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, somebody say amen, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is, not, uh, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. Now, I want, I want to start here. To give you an idea, there's a guy named Paul. Everybody say Paul. Paul is writing this. Now, typically when Paul writes, he's addressing issues. He's, he's, he's addressing issues. If you read all the other books, he wrote um, three-fourths of the, the New Testament. So of the 27 books that are in the New Testament, he wrote three-quarters of them, and he's typically writing to a church that he has started, and he's addressing an issue. The one exception to this is Ephesians. Ephesians, um, like Romans, kind of, is just this um, amazing literary work where he lays out in in verses 1 through 3, in chapters 1 through 3, Ephesians breaks down this way, chapters 1 through 3 cover God's big-scale plan to redeem. You understand, this is Jesus on the cross wasn't a last ditch effort for your soul. You know that. There was a plan from the beginnings of the foundations of the earth to save you. I'm glad he had a plan because I am a by the seat kind of person. Anybody else fly by the seat? Yeah. Okay. 
And honestly, I kind of operate best in that zone. When people, when people need something done quick and last minute, they know they can count on Carl. He's going to get it done. He's going to get it done right. And he operates well there. Now, I have had to fight that fleshly procrastination in me as, after, as I've become a pastor and managing companies and whatnot. Uh, you can't be last minute on everything. You have to have a plan. And the important thing for you to hear this morning is that God had a plan to save you before you were you. <laughs> yes! That's exciting. He had a plan. Now, if chapters four through six, chapters four through six cover small scale how to live it out. Okay, so here's, here's God's work. Here's what he did, four through six, tell us, here's what it looks like on the ground level. Here's where the rubber meets the road. This is what it should look like. Now, what we read today is kind of the pivot between the two. So we go from all that God has done, all that God has done to redeem us and reconcile us to the Father, and then on the brink of talking about how to make this work. Have you ever wondered how to make it work? Like, how does this work for me? And he says, now in light of all this, I bow to my knees and pray. There is a response to understanding what God has done for us. And the response is prayer. And honestly, in this time when, when, when Paul is writing um, Ephesians, to say, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees is a weird phrase, and I'll tell you why. Because in this time, people stood to pray. When they would pray, they would raise their hands to God. They would be uh, standing before the Lord to pray. They would pray big, big prayers. And what Paul is saying is countercultural in that. He said, when I think of all that the Lord has done, I fall to my knees and pray. Now, I think this speaks to your posture when you pray, okay? Do you need to pray on your knees? No. Can you pray standing up? And look, I'm about to say something's going to change your life. You can pray with your eyes open. Watch out. Breaking things loose in here. Because look, the Bible says to pray without ceasing, and look, you want me praying with my eyes closed, driving down 95? No, you do not. But the Lord will hear you just as much when your eyes are open. So it has little to do with your physical position. Now listen to this. Your posture of prayer has little to do with the body and more to do with the heart. So this is what Paul's saying. He's not addressing, hey, listen, you need to bow on your knees in order to pray. He's saying... I need to come to God from a humble position. Why? When I think of all this. Now, for some of us, we're so far removed from our former lives that we don't remember the sacrifice it took to pay for your sin. But when you get real close, and those who have known the, the ravages of sin and death and struggle with the flesh and how they have been redeemed by the power of Christ. It is a humbling experience. 
and I'm afraid many of us come to God as if he owes us something. We come to God and we pray and we come to him with this big list of to-dos as if he owes us something. And our posture is all wrong. Think about this. Think about, um, there's a story in the New Testament where Jesus talks about um, a son who wanted his father's inheritance, his, his inheritance from his father. And when he approached his father for this, he, he didn't approach him real humble. You notice how he approached him? He, he approached his father by saying, give me what is mine to have. Now listen, if, if Macy were to come up to me, Macy is my daughter, she's f- almost five, she's almost five. Can you believe that? She starts kindergarten this year. Now I feel old. Kindergarten. If she comes to me and she says, Dad, give me my inheritance. Well, a couple things are going to happen. One, I ain't got nothing for you unless you want debt. You want stress and anxiety and life with little peace? I can give you that. (laughs) And the other thing is, ain't nothing yours. We say this often, everything in this house belongs to the Lord. And after that, it belongs to your mother and I. Right? This kid comes to his dad and he's like, give me what's mine. And the father lovingly, hear that, lovingly gives it to him. He goes and blows it all. And the father, from a distance, sees him crawling back and in love accepts him. At a different posture, all of a sudden, he's on his knees begging I know I don't deserve it. I know I don't deserve it, but can I just be a slave in your house? Can I just, I'll just work as a servant. Just let me back in because he understands something and posture is important. And we can't just go to God like he owes us something. If you want God to respond in prayer, come to him with a humble and contrite, broken spirit. He always hears that prayer. But the Bible will also tell us that the proud, pride comes before a fall. And that's a fall to your knees you do not want. Your posture of prayer has little to do with the body and more to do with the heart. Now he goes on to say, he says, um, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, hear this, the creator of everything In heaven and on earth, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower us. Listen, who you pray to matters. So posture matters, yes, not physically, but your heart posture matters when you pray. But the other thing that matters when you pray is that you pray to the right God. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that many of us pray to a God that is not the God of Scripture and wonder why our prayers aren't answered. Lord, give me a boat. Father, 
get my wife off my back. Lord, get this person out of my life. We've all prayed these prayers. You think that's a prayer based on the God of Scripture? No. Now, listen. There have been some guys in here who have gone to the Lord and just said some crazy stuff. So look, the Lord gets it. But if you want him to respond to you in prayer, there, you have to pray to the right God. And I'll tell you how this will change your prayer life. Because if you pray to a God who is broke and limited and only uh, has limited view, then it changes how you pray. I remember when I was little, um, my... My father wasn't around long, but here's what I remember. I remember I was 10 or 11 years old, and there was a job that was bigger than I could handle. Now, I, I don't know that it was a major job. It, it might have, uh, but for me, at the time, it was a major problem, but I knew there was someone who was bigger, stronger, and could handle it, and so I went and asked him for help. And if you pray to a God who can't cure cancer, if you, if you pray to a God who is lifeless and only uh, is like a genie in a bottle of sorts, like let's come rub this and maybe he'll respond then. Listen, we need to pray to a God who is all-powerful with unlimited resources and the creator of heaven and earth. You realize that, now my wife told me not to say that today. Uh, she said, Carl, last week you said, do you understand a million times? And I said, okay, I won't say it this week, and I just said it. But I think, um, I think some of us miss the fact that when we're talking to God, we're talking to a God, the God of all the creation, which means that he, he didn't just sit like in, in Santa's toy workshop and build out everything. He spoke a word and created everything you see. He spoke a word and there was life in your lungs. You do not serve a bankrupt, broke, good for nothing, dead God. You serve a God who is alive and who at his very word can speak life. And so come to him that way. Don't come to God with... You, you, and look, I've been guilty of this, so I, I stand here guilty. Is that okay? I stand here guilty that in ministry I have gone to pray with people who are sick. And even though the Bible says that by his stripes we are healed and that, that when someone among us is sick that we're to get together, the elders of the church, and pray for their healing. Even though the Bible says that, sometimes I'll try and I, would, I would try and hedge my bets in my prayer and say, God, you know, if it's, you know, if you do, if you don't, I'm trying to hedge my bet so that, so that my weak faith isn't exposed. Listen, when you pray, when you, when you call us for prayer here, if you were to come down here and pray, we're going to pray that God heals you. 
We're going to lay hands on you and, and say if you're f- facing financial hardship that God would bring you out of that. He would do a work inside you and bring you out. Now, we're not going to preach prosperity that if you love Jesus, you should own boats and mansions. But we will preach that there is a God above that when you pray to him, he has the capability to respond and give us what we need. It, it matters who you pray to. And then it goes on to say, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. So here's the other thing prayer does. Prayer strengthens us on the inside. Now, why does that matter? <laughs> Take it from a guy who has been praying for a handful of things for 20 years. And physically, I haven't seen a change yet. But inside, there has been change. And all of a sudden, the things 20 years ago, and I keep praying for salvation for people. I keep praying for these things. But all of a sudden, my internal man is being strengthened. In fact, it tells us um, in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, that while the outward man... My skin, my flesh, my exterior circumstances is wearing away. My inner man is being strengthened day by day. And you know that how that happens? It happens through prayer. It happens through prayer. And you know why? Because in prayer, properly constructed prayer where he's God and I'm coming to him in a humble position praying to a powerful all-knowing God, a God of miracles. As I come to him, I declare him as these things, and all of a sudden, as I see him working in me, and I've seen him work outside of me too. I've seen people walk out of the hospital that never should have walked out of the hospital. I've seen people walk out of car accidents that never should have walked away from car accidents because God and prayer work. I'll say it again. I'll say it over here. God and prayer work. Okay, good. I was expecting something better out of that, and it just wasn't happening. And honestly, I'll tell you, if I'm just being transparent, I'm concerned you're going to leave here, and your prayer life will be no different, Christian. You should be praying as if you know who you're praying to and what's at stake. And I find, even this morning, even this morning as I was sitting in my office getting ready for today, that I said, God, I need you to strengthen me inside. I need your strength today. Getting up here and proclaiming God's word is exhausting. And there's a heavy weight to it because if you leave here um, and I, I am unfaithful to his word, I pay an account for that in heaven. And many of us go to God as if we don't really need him until we need him. <laughs> like he's some mechanic. 
life mechanic. When Jesus is meant to be the center of everything. Okay. Posture matters. Who you pray to matters. The byproduct will be an, a strengthening, an inner strengthening. Another byproduct of praying this way in 2020. Another byproduct. Listen to this. Then Christ, verse 17, will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. So we're praying, we're knowing him more, we're declaring who he is, our inner being is being strengthened, and as that is happening, all of a sudden we trust him more. As Christ proves himself, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. As you trust him, he'll make his home in your hearts. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And watch this. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, hear it, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. So you mean to tell me, Carl, if I, if I, I change my posture... And I change the God I'm praying to here. You mean I'm going to be stronger inside? Yes. And the other thing that's going to happen, he just said it here, is that this head knowledge turns to heart knowledge. This head knowledge turns to heart knowledge. You go from a cognitive understanding of how God loves us to an experiential understanding of what his love is. That's God's desire for you. Not just that you'll know and be able to regurgitate this in your small group so you sound smart. That's not the goal of Sundays. You know that. The, you know, I want you to know this, that the goal is for you to take this from a cognitive level and in prayer, it becomes experiential. God's love was never meant to be cold. It was supposed to be experienced. To know how wide Revelations 5, 9. Let's see what scripture has to say about how wide his love is. Revelations 5, 9 says, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God's persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. God's love stretches across the globe. That's how wide his love is. There is not a breathing person he did not die for. You know that? Yeah. From the person living on the street corner to some hut in the middle of Africa. His love. This, as you pray and you understand his love and how wide it is. It is wider than just North Chesterfield. It is wider than the state of Virginia. It circles the globe. That's how wide we, his, his word tells us. And, 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 and then we find in Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying... I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. 
So how wide, how, how long is his love? What's the length of his love? His love has no expiration date. His love for you has no end. It says it right here in Jeremiah that I've loved you with an everlasting. You know what that means? A never-ending type of love. That's how long it is. How high is it? Psalms 103, 11 and 12 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. How high is it? It's higher than the highest heavens. And how deep is it? It says in Micah 7, 19, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. That's how deep his love is for you. That the very deepest part of the sea, he casts all your transgressions. Now, does he, does he say all this? Does he say all this so that we can measure the square footage of his love? No. He says it so that you can understand and feel that this isn't just something you know. Yes, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so, right? It's not just a knowledge. It is a love that you can experience, and it is a byproduct of talking to him. There are many people I've had opinions of in the past, um, and they completely changed when I had a conversation with them. You ever had that happen? Yeah. A promise I can give you today, talk to God. He only gets bigger and bigger and better. The more you talk to him, the more you see of him, the more you see him work inside and out, the more you know him, the more you will love him. Wow. He wants to move us from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge. And as I close, I want to circle back here for a minute. He says right at the beginning of verse 14, he says, when I think of all this, you know what a really good key to having a good prayer life is? Thinking on the Lord. Not going to him with any kind of agenda. And look, I, I am pro prayer lists. I've got one in my office. I keep a book that I write every prayer request I get down in and I, I search through this book and I pray over these things. But before I do any of it, when I enter my alone time with the Lord, now I'm not talking about driving down the road. I'm, I'm talking to the Lord all day, especially when people cut me off. I, I talk to him um, in a different way then and seek much forgiveness for the Thoughts, I think, towards those people. But my heart for you is that you would find a time to talk to him. And start by just saying and thinking on how good he is. Now, some of you might not know how good he is. 
growing up in church, I knew a lot of Jesus. And I could tell you parables and stories. I could break down the Romans road for you. I was at church all the time. I would read this book weekly. I'd memorize scripture. Got all my gold stars on the wall. I would pray the prayers other people hear. (laughs) I hear other people praying. And I remember the first time I had an encounter with the Lord in prayer. I'll tell you about it. I remember the, um, I remember the, not, the, it was a day, it was a day. So we used to live in Charles City off Barnett's Road. And there was a, a park near our house. And so we, um, we would go there some, sometimes on Sundays after church. And um, so this particular Sunday, of all days, Sunday, we had just gotten home from church. We were going to get changed, eat a little lunch. at that. We didn't eat out back then. When you live in a single wide trailer, I mean, we're going home for like ramen and like a hug. Um, you get real creative. You put like hamburger meat in it. You ever put hamburger meat in ramen? You should. <laughs> so we didn't go out to eat. We just showed up at the, at the house and we ate and we changed clothes. And I remember... I remember my, uh, I I came out because I I had a bunk bed. Anybody sleep on bunk beds? I had a bunk bed with my older, uh, younger brother. I'm the oldest. And so we came out of the room and came down the very short hallway. And when we entered the living room, because we heard my mom say, hey, y'all come out here. We need to talk. I was probably 11, 12 years old. It was fifth grade. And my mom was sitting on this side of the room and my dad was sitting on this side of the room. And I thought, one, that, that wasn't weird. You know, my, my parents weren't real lovey-dovey. So it wasn't weird, but they said, we gotta tell you something. And so I thought, I'd watched my mom had three siblings. And I thought, God, no. Here we go again, she's having another one. So I, I sat my little plump husky. Husky is what they called us back then. <laughs> sat down in the floor. And I remember, my dad didn't say a word. It's just my mom. She said, your father and I have decided that we're not going to be together anymore. You know, how do you explain this to kids? And I remember... They, and they tried to cushion the blow by saying, we'll go to the park afterwards. And I remember sitting there, 12, 11, 12 years old, thinking, I know so much about God, but this doesn't make any sense with what I know of him. And I remember going, I went outside, and in Charles City, you just throw all your junk in the yard. So... Um, I remember 
taking a baseball and I chucked it as hard as I could at a leather van seat that came out of one of those old big conversion vans, you know, with the TV in the top. I remember sitting next to that bench and for the very first time I had said many prayers. But the peace that he brought, the 12-year-old me, was miraculous. And so all of a sudden, all this knowledge that I had became an experience. And when, and when you've had a kid in the hospital, I remember Macy, we thought she had a seizure. And so we took her to the hospital. I remember bowing my head to God, saying, God... I need you to respond here. I need, I need something from you. And, and marriage failings and what I'm talking about today is not just, man, I wish you would memorize this scripture. And if you've never seen a man get emotional, I'm sorry. I don't typically. My wife will tell you I'm cold as ice. But when Paul, in Ephesians 4, 4, 3, 14, says, when I think of all this, I've seen him restore our marriage on different levels. I've seen him heal my child. I've seen him forgive me of sin I did not deserve forgiveness for. I've seen him restore relationships. I've seen cancer flee. That at the name of Jesus, every knee, every situation bows to him. This is the God we pray to. Yeah. So we're getting ready to have communion. And they're going to sing. So if, if my leaders will come up to to serve the communion. I, I just want to implore you and go back to my very first point, and that's this. Prayer at its root is paying attention to God. And my heart for you in 2020, my heart for our church is that we would pray big prayers, that we would, um, that we would um, pray as if it mattered. Some of us say prayer out of repetition as if this is just what I do. But God is, I think, calling us as a church and you as a person to do more than just pray a, a regurgitated prayer and have a conversation with the God most high. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.